comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. Uh, hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is unfortunately not here. I believe he is sick, and I hope he gets better. Um, ideally, when this podcast is out, he'll be like, why was I not on this podcast? But, you know, for the time being, that's how things are. Um, so, with that in mind, uh, Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then, we like to do these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentaries or just because we want to do something different. And because... This week did not offer the kind of the most ripe, I guess is a fun way to say it, the most ripe of new releases. We decided, why not do one of our, our fun news shows? And Abe, did, Abe and I did plan to do a news show, but he's sick now. But that's okay, because with me today to discuss various news items throughout the week, there's been a lot of things that happened in movie news and whatnot, so we can get to them. I have, from VeryAware.com, it is Peter Paris. Hello, hello. Uh, oh, actually, actually, it's Peter Paris. Paris? Yeah, I like France. I know it's spelled weird, but um, I don't think I've ever told you that. I but just, uh, I just like I'm ha- in an accent. I, I like saying Peter Paras. <laughs> I might do it anyway. You can tell me however you want to say it. Oh, I'm that's say true. It the other way. Anyway. Um, but uh, yes, happy to be here. Thank you for asking me on. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, so we're just going to kind of get things rolling, do a little show notes stuff here first. Uh, iTunes reviews ratings, good to get those. It helps out our show, helps other people find our show. Um, we, uh, of course, love doing regular shows about you know the new movies of the week, but we do these fun shows, too, and there's lots of different variety of shows that we have, including a new commentary, actually. We just put out our commentary for Taken. Abe and I were joined by Brandon Peters and Jordan Grout to talk about the film Taken with Liam Neeson, the original Taken, which was also kind of a de facto review of Taken 3 during that commentary. And we know you guys love the commentaries, and we've, we've been promising to do a new one for a while, and we finally got it out there. So you can find that on iTunes, along with all the other episodes of our show. And if you'd be so kind, it'd be great if you guys could just uh, give us an iTunes review and uh, add a rating. It'd be very simple. So, that said, let's move on. Uh, let's get to Out Now Quickies. This is where we discuss some of the other movies that might have come out during the week. We don't, there's not many other movies that came out this week, which is why we're not doing a main movie of the week. But with that said, Peter, have you seen any other movies recently this week? This week, no. You just I... told me about one that you saw. Oh, well, I saw Theory of Everything, but that's like an oh, – I mean, does that count? Yes, you just saw it. What would you think of it? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like – oh, oh. Um, I thought it was pretty, you know, it's what the listeners want to know. (laughs) Wait, what? The listeners want to know. Well, no, no, it, um, I, I had heard, and when I saw the trailer, it, it, it's one of those Oscar bait kind of movies where you feel like you've seen it before you've seen it. Um, he's, he's great. Eddie, is it Eddie Redmayne? Yeah. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Ed Redmayne. He's great. And so it's a lion with a red mane. Um, also, you know, I'd say the most surprising thing about the theory of everything is that, and I mean, I don't know if you would agree, it's actually, even though he's great as Stephen Hawking, as a narrative, it's actually her story, uh, Jane, which I thought, I didn't I didn't know that going in. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. It's really her, more about her, her journey. Book. It's based on her book and everything. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. So, um, 
So That'll Whiplash be... Boyhood. Because I actually ranked this the other day. I put a tweet out of my rankings of the, <laughs> the Oscar noms. Well, I'm assuming Whiplash is your favorite or Boyhood. No, Boy is my favorite. I'm saying Boyhood's your favorite. Then it's, you've got it's Boyhood, Birdman, and um, then Selma, and then what's the so fourth would be then Whiplash. Fourth would be Whiplash. Yeah, because then there's. So then, okay, so that's your top. Oh wait, there's seven. Wait, I have seven in my hand. There's what eight. I, which which so, one am I missing? <laughs> right, so you're missing one. So what is the? Uh, what are we forgetting? So it's not Foxcatcher. There. Oh yeah, because that's not nominated. <laughs> He's well, Carell's nominated. But. Well, everything else, like it's everything except the Best Picture of the Year. That's what the Academy apparently decided. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, wait, what is it? So it's uh, Selma Boy. Grand Budapest. There we go. Like, oh my god. And so those are movies where I'm like, I'm sure I like them, but I don't know exactly where I would place them. They're both really good. Like, but but sometimes I feel that way where I'm like, well, I haven't really had a chance to revisit. So. Um, but same thing with, but you know, that's weird. Birdman, though, even though I only saw it once, I'm pretty confident that Birdman would be pretty high. Like, just because of the way it's made and all that kind of stuff, I, I really like that. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so no, you know, I saw, I saw Theory of Everything. Oh, that's what we were talking about. I was like, how do we get to Yeah, this? I saw Theory of Everything, <laughs> but I, I keep feeling like, oh, well, you know, actually, technically, if you wanted to, unless you've already talked about your last one, I mean, the big movie that opened this weekend was Project Almanac, that's which I've be, seen. Yeah, that's have my seen? cookie, too. Yeah, I've seen I saw it this week. Um, What'd you think? I think it's okay. I think it's like it's fine for what it is. I mean, it, it's... It, I, I know, like, it's, it's basically getting, like, the, you know, whatever great time travel movie crossed with Project X is kind of the the... the the log line that critics have been using. What I like is that I like the people in this movie for the most part, as opposed to something like Project X where I hated every one of those characters. So if you have a found footage movie such as this, you want to have a likable cast. And they have that. It falls into giant cliches. You have like the, you know, you got, you got the stock lead character who's not all that interesting, but he's smart. So you're supposed to follow along with him. And you got his nerdy best friend. And then you got the fat friend. That's kind of funny. And then you get, you get, and then you get the girl characters and so you have the sister who starts out like as somewhat interesting and then proceeds to be completely one dimensional, which is, you know, that that sucks. For the most part, like they, they do a fine job of making them have chemistry. And the most most of this cast has chemistry. That's that's you know, that's what helps overall. But I mean, that's just, you know, the basic look at the casting of the movie. Then you have, you know, everything that happens. And I feel like in the second act, once they get the time travel going, it's like happening we need to course correct everything and it's like if you don't think about it too hard it's engaging enough but at the same time it's like i'm not ever gonna see this again or anything so i think it's fine that's that's where i that's where i end up i think i would i would most mostly agree with you i think i i think i i think i was surprised at how much fun i had in the middle act which i would agree with you it's because so many found footage movies notorious this group, I was like, oh, I kind of like these people. These are they're, and it's fun that they're going to. No, it wasn't Coachella. Oh, they're, they're at Lollapalooza and everything. I think the problem I have with the last act, besides being a cliche, is that it kind of, it kind of does this. Everyone's it, it. It feels like even when you've seen the trailer, actually, even before the trailer, even when we had heard that the movie was being made, that Soderbergh was doing this movie about male strippers, it felt like this movie where we're all in on this joke. That's this joke that it's kind of fun. In this, in this kind of, you know, kind of like a showgirl's way to watch this movie about male strippers and it's it's over the top and it's silly, but it's fun. And f- for the first half of Magic Mike, that's what it is. Suddenly, it almost feels like 
the movie is kind of shaming the audience. Like you're like, how dare you have fun with these? These people's lives are terrible. And you're like, that's not what I signed up for. Like in, in this, in Project Almanac, I feel like the, the joy of their musing time travel is, is of course that they're teenagers. Of course they would do a concert. Of course they would like try to get a better grade in class. Like, so suddenly when it becomes like, well, now what you've done is the butterfly and it affects and it's killed people. It's just like, what? Like it, that to me is where the last act not only feeling cliche as a narrative, but it feels again like kind of shaming us, like, oh, this is terrible. There, don't you see this is bad to do time travel? And I'm like, I, I just don't I, don't. I don't. I don't think the the shift in tone is that jarring. I just it just doesn't really do anything with it that feels all that new. It just it's especially when you have a scene. Well, there's two scenes. There's a scene where like they have, for one thing, they call that like several other time travel movies so like in the world that this movie exists in all these time travel movies exist already right but, right, but then, right, right. And then you have a scene where like they have like a stack of blu-rays that are all the time travel movies and they're studying them and yet they still like they just can't seem to figure out like all they they, they seemingly have the knowledge of all the rules of every time travel movie as if nothing could ever go wrong yet they seem to break every single one of those rules <laughs> which is like why would why, why even show us that you why even acknowledge the fact that there are other time travel movies that exist if you're just not even going to be consistent with that fact wait wait so you saying you wish it was more a la scream is that what you're saying no uh well actually that would be interesting if they actually right. called out to that fact but more of we're like in the in the if you're going to call out magic mike as a reference i'm going to call out walking dead which also has nothing to do with this movie but in terms of that zombie zombie movies don't seem to exist in that universe like they've never heard of the term zombie before in the walking right. dead universe so if this movie was like in that vein where time travel movies never exist then i'd have there'd be less of me to focus in on but given that the movie wants to let us know that these kids understand that these time travel movies exist it's hard for me to accept that they would also break the exact same rules that all these time travel movies break okay i see i see what you're saying, you what I'm saying? that yeah, and you know, there's also a giant chalkboard scene where like they're like they're in this basement with their their father's basement where they find the time travel device they're in that basement the whole time. I don't think I've ever saw that chalkboard, but suddenly when everything goes bad, there's a giant chalkboard available for them to <laughs> diagram out exactly what's going on all of Back to the Future 2. So it's like, what? Well, you know, it's, you know it's, I, I think it's interesting that, like, and maybe this is because we're, you and I are not teenagers, but, like, I don't know. It, like, I was just thinking about, okay, and actually another thing I did this week is I went to a, and I, I like, never, I, I, I don't know how often they have these, but, like, I usually don't get invited but um, I got Universal invited me to a Blu-ray release party uh, for their movie Ouija. Which I did which... go to. Wait, were you there? I was there. Wait, you were at the Ouija thing? Yeah. yeah. Wait, how did I miss you? I left early. Oh, okay. Well, I can see that. Um, and did you and I go to the screening together? We did, right? Yeah, we yeah. did. Yeah. And now that Ouija, while not a found footage movie... Um, that movie is kind of the, has has kind of the problem that Project Almanac um, kind of avoids, which is I don't really like any character in Ouija. Yeah. Like, I mean, I am fine with Ouija being a silly horror board game movie, but I wish the characters were more likable and fun. Like, really, if those characters were likable and fun, kind of the way they are in Project Almanac, I think you, me, and Jeff, I think we all would have been like. Well, it's a silly movie, but it was fun. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, that's. Also, yeah. I mean, this is a much better example. Cabin in the Woods, 
which you oh. know is, is way cleverer and has all the things going for it. But regardless of that, the characters in that movie, they're not the most interesting characters, but they're fun. They're good. They're fun characters to be around. And like they, they have good chemistry together and you can see that that reflects very well. Right. I agree. But I guess I was just, yeah. I mean, do you think that it's you, a loose example, but yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you think, well, actually the example I would have used because it was what Ouija reminded me of was, and it's not like these are the deepest films, but I thought that Ouija was trying to be basically it was basically using the Ouija board meaning a a, a villain that you can't, that really doesn't have a form yeah. kind of the same way the final destination movies are Fair. but I actually enjoy the final destination movies I think those are really those are those are good fun B movies you know like and Ouija I was like eh, it feels so generic and like I don't really care I mean did you like Ouija I don't think you did No it's it was it, it it missed my top ten worst because Annabelle exists. That's why. But um, oh, I didn't think it was that bad. I just thought it was like a C. So you thought it was really bad. Yeah, but oh. um, well, I I think movies like that bother me because they make tons of money, and it's like you see all these other you know much smaller horror movies that don't even make it to theaters. They have to go to VOD. That are you know, look at the Babadook. I mean, the Babadook's a, a, a fantastic movie. Oh, you, know, of course. Who, you know who saw that? About four of us. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sad. And that movie, you know, it's going to get the you know the critical love and the cult love. And you know, in thirty years, people will be like, Babadook's amazing. Right now, though, not many people know about it. Ouija, on the other hand, no one cares about Ouija. But at the same time, people are like, you know what? There's a horror movie out. Let's go see it. So it makes thirty million dollars yeah, at the box say, office, and then you're going to get a sequel to Ouija. You're going to get Ouija two, still bored. And like I, I just like why? Yeah, because I was gonna say I don't know anybody. Because you're right, Ouija made Ouija because of marketing and you know because of the brand because of it as as a Blue brand. brand yes. It was number one for two weeks, but I don't know if anybody really likes that movie. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know if that's not anybody's favorite film or anything. I mean, um, actually, wait. Speaking of horror, and I did not see this, but uh, it might be out. Did you see It Follows? No, I know about it, but I have not seen it yet. Because isn't that another about teenagers, and it's kind of got a hook of a horror? I've I've heard mixed. Jeff didn't like it, but I, I'm I, I, yeah, I'm uh, Jeff Nelson, friend of the show. Um, I um I, I honestly just haven't looked too much into it, just because movies like that, I'm like I'd rather be surprised, so I don't try to go too far. No, me too, me too. But I've heard I've heard things where like I think I'd probably be interested in this, so we'll see. So. But but yeah, I'd say that's about my current. I mean, there's not a lot out. Right? Getting getting way back to Project Almanac, by the way. The other thing that we're at distance, we're at you know, it's a distance from other you know more accomplished found footage movies like Chronicle. I think is the key example here. Uh, I think Chronicle is a much better movie. Yes. Um, and I think not only because of just what it's doing and what it's what it's about or whatnot, but I think it it does a good job of kind of handling the found footage aspect, where it gives you an actual reason for it to be found footage, where there's this kind of this god complex that Dane DeHaan's character forms, which makes it interesting to see how they utilize the camera for that reason. Whereas this movie is just like, we're filming because why not, I guess. <laughs> well, <laughs> And then we edited it, and somebody put it all together and added slow motion and scored some scenes. So, it, Well, like, I mean, technically, are you saying you could have... Are you saying Project Almanac could have been a straight, nor, more traditionally shot movie? No, because then but, it, I think it already becomes less interesting if you do that. Like it was already, I think that's why they chose to do that to begin right, with. Right, because I was like, I mean, like, part of the hook is that the, is that the character sees himself from an old video thing. So I'm kind of like, well, you at least need that portion to be that. So, hmm. 
it's the, it's because I don't even view it as a it, at this point I'm I'm pa- I'm kind of past the whole why are they still filming thing because it's, at this point it's like an aesthetic it's yes. like it's like watching episodes of like Parks and Recreation or Modern Family where they're done in this documentary style and they have little interviews but that's not real like they're never going to address that like it's not part of the thing anymore like it's just like that's the style that is chosen to do the format in to, I agree to enhance the the comedy in those shows no and, i would agree. and this show this is just like it's enhancing the reality of friends that have chemistry being together in order to accomplish what it's coming. but you're right though i thought that in chronicle when he that he becomes so powerful that there's that scene where he takes like all the cell phones and everything. yeah all this that was really pretty cool and actually even earlier when he's when he's like oh i basically can have the camera follow us because in my i can control that i was yeah. like wow it's like now they've introduced that there could be like a dolly shot that's like a like that was yeah that was really good it has a lot and, of clever things is that the guy the guy who did chronicle um his Fantastic Four trailer just hit, right? Yes, which is a great way to segue into the news that we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so that was at No Quickies, um, TM, and we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go right into the news segment. So yeah, lots of film news, lots of new stuff came out this week. And yeah, let's drive right into that. We had the, the debut of the Fantastic Four trailer, which is from director Josh Trank, who directed Chronicle. Um, and this film stars Whiplash's Miles Teller, Fruitvale Station's Michael B. Jordan, Billy Elliot's Jamie Bell, and House of Cards, Kate Mara, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Toby Kebbell as unseen Doctor Doom character. This is a movie that's, I guess, it's it's obviously rebooting the Fantastic Four film series. It's you know a whole new cast. It's taking from what I understand the Ultimate Universe of Fantastic Four, not the traditional you know one that most people seem to know because everyone this week became a Fantastic Four expert. It's funny how that <laughs> it's funny how that happens when you suddenly you know don't approve of something that you're an expert in the topic. Um, with all that in mind. Uh, before we just dive straight into it, Peter, what did you think of the trailer as a, you know? Oh, I mean, I liked it, but I'm, I'm, you know, I am not, I do not know that much about the Fantastic Four, um, but I do remember the the two mediocre mid-2000s movies with Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis and everything. So I thought, yeah, I mean, it's, it's clearly going for a kind of, um, I know some people are calling it like Chris Nolan. It's, it's clearly going for this like, well, this, you know, it's it's darker and grittier. That's yeah, I mean, kind of like, I don't necessarily also, believe like, in it, but I mean, that's kind of like Man of Steel too. I yeah. mean, someone, I think someone said that like Man of Steel in many ways is less a Superman movie and more about it's more just a science fiction movie, and the guy just happens to be Superman. I kind of see the comparison with Fantastic Four, where it's like it actually feels like a sci-fi thriller more than like a normal. But actually, I I'm um I'm fine with that. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I was I pretty impressed i like the tra- i mean it's fine like i feel like it it doesn't show me nearly enough to be able to judge this movie really harshly i right, would say beforehand right. i had nothing against the idea of what they're doing i like the i like these people for the most part I'm not the biggest Kate Mara fan but um I, I i like this cast i like josh trank and it's like i i don't know why i'm supposed to not like what the choices are here we have this cool cast we have an in the midst of all these superhero movies, I'm not sure why Fantastic Four is the one where it's like we should hate this automatically because those other movies were apparently so good. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know where that line. And that's what I see this week too. It's like, why did they have to change the cat? Like, you guys didn't like this movie the first time. Like, what? I, yeah. But looking at one of one of the interesting things I saw about this trailer is uh, someone like mashed it up with Interstellar, the the initial Interstellar teaser, and it's pretty dead on. Like, it it pretty much matches up perfectly with. Oh, with I haven't trailer. seen that. Oh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that, but it's it's pretty cool. Um, but that said, that is that seems like if if there's any Nolan comparison, that's the one I see right now. Just giving because someone's able to match that trailer up because it fits 
quite appropriately. But yeah, it's it's very it's vague. There's some ominous things going on. It doesn't give you too much to work with beyond like a quick shot of someone on fire, some rocks to show you the thing, and that something happened to people. But that's all you really get. And I I guess there's an argument being made that it seems like it's being too self-important. But I mean, in a superhero world where the world seems to constantly be at you know in threat. Of course, it needs to be self-important. It's like they're trying to, you know, stop some horrible thing from happening or what have you. And with that in mind, it's like, yeah, all right, there, there's another one. Let's see it. Let's, well, let's see the actual, let's see the whole thing. Well, I was talking to a guy who is a that I, I mean, I mean, I actually just met him this week, but he seems to be a uh, kind of uh, Mar- uh, Fantastic Four fan and aficionado, uh-huh. and the the problems he was having, and maybe this has already come up. Um, online was like, from what he heard, the thing can change. So the thing basically is like the Hulk now, because as I recall, the thing is always just, just the, the thing. thing. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of what's sad is that like he can never he he can you know he can never just he's never like Bruce Banner, yeah. right? The other thing is that what is the character? Is it Johnny Storm? Johnny Storm, yeah. Johnny Storm used to be the youngest one. So that's which why he was the like he's the impetuous teenager. Oh, sorry. There's a motorcycle driving by. Um, so Johnny Storm used to be the youngest one, and I heard now he's the oldest one. Is that true? Honestly, in terms of like what's going on with the actual story and whatnot, I've I've just stayed out of it. Right. Uh, so I, know, I, I think I feel like Jamie Bell's probably the oldest actor among them, if I had to guess. Oh, right. Okay. So, but the, yeah, those were the weird changes that I was hearing that this guy was complaining about. That he was just like, well, he's like, why would you make the you know. The Human Torch. Why would he be the the wizened character, and why would the thing be able to change? And and the Invisible Girl isn't really as invisible anymore. And like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, I have not seen this, you know. Like, so this is just you know maybe speculation. Oh, and then I also heard that they aren't really, at least in the first movie, they're never really going to get um, their costumes with the four. They 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 have outfits that have four like etch marks, like a one, two, three, but it's not the actual number four. Actually, I kind of like that. I kind of like that too. But the, I, yeah, I like that. I was like, the, oh, that's kind of cool. The like, kind of things that I've been reading is just more of like kind of official stuff and things that like Josh Trank and Fox have wanted the people to know beforehand. Stuff like, you know, Trank wants to make it more realistic and wants to kind of ground it in a certain level of reality. I have no problem with that. And as far as kind of changes to the comic, not, <laughs> I mean, there are purists out there. I'm, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys want, you know, to have the exact representation of a thing that you read once or whatnot, but there's been plenty of plenty of superhero movies that have done, you know, their own thing and have been good because of that thing. And I'd rather just see a good movie than one that, you know, uses uses the, you know, the comic inspiration as you know, as gospel, as, you know, the one as the the best possible the only way to represent something. And I think a movie like Watchmen ran into that problem where it was just too faithful. Where some other movies, you know, have some more leniency. I mean, Iron Man is not the, you know, the, the most faithful movie in the world in terms of like the Iron Man lore, but the changes it makes, you know, applies. Spider Man is a perfect example of that too. Spider Man didn't make, you know, the 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 record breaking money that it did because people didn't like the changes it made. Like I, yeah, would I have liked to see homemade web shooters in the first Spider Man? Sure. Did I get them in Amazing Spider Man? Yeah. Was that movie better than the first Spider Man? No. So I mean, what, where are we? Where are we going? <laughs> like, That's true. Um. Yeah, you know, the, you know what? I'll say this. This is a, a, a bigger rant that I could go on, but I'll, in, in short, I think the thing that's always been weird for me is that in, with my 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 limited experience as a person in probably like high school, college, or whatever, who 
kind of dabbled in superhero comics. Because I, I want to say, I do like, like, I like The Walking Dead, I like Fables. There are a lot of other things that are, like, graphic novel yeah, yeah, superheroes yeah. that I like. Mm-hmm. But if we're just talking superheroes, um, I mean, I remember, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, like, Marvel created a new Spider-Man series, and it was Web of Spider-Man. So there's, like, Spectacular Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man. I like that's the oldest. And it's always kind of a given that new writers come on board. Sometimes they reboot the series within the same series. Sometimes they make a new one, like Web of Spider-Man. But it's kind of understood that if you're a comic book fan, that the writers are kind of allowed to take what they think is the essence of the hero and make changes. So it's always been weird to me that when these things are made into these huge movies, that those same fans that have been used to watch reading comics where things get changed. I mean, The Dark Knight, Frank Miller, is it The Dark Knight Returns? Is that what it's called? Yes, yeah. That is not at all like Bob Kane's like uh, Batman from no, like fifties yeah. or whatever. Like, so I don't. I guess I don't really understand where. I think it just be. I think it's a mistrust of Hollywood, maybe because I'm like technically you're used to reading these things where things are changed all the time. It's where you mis- have it's like a mistrust combined with like short term memory. Because, I guess because yeah. it's like so, it's only it's only when you see like one little thing that suddenly becomes a huge issue. But when you love like everything else becoming beforehand, like it's not like a, it's not it's not like Avengers was the summation of every like famous comic book arc ever that was completely accurate to every single Marvel comic book story <laughs> that led into that movie. And but you know what? It's a really good movie and that's what that's what that's what counts there. And I guess the deeper question is what's better? The movie that's entirely faithful to something that you read once that or you know, whenever however many times but you read and you thought this would be great or like you know a good movie like <laughs> and it's that's that seems to be the challenge that's constantly faced whenever you know an adaptation of especially you know of, of this kind of scale of these kind of scales come out um yeah and, and you know what's wait so do you think in a weird way and i'm sure there is a small vocal audience um on the web but do you think that's why guardians the guardians of the galaxy did well not only because it's a really good it's a you know it's a good fun movie but do you think that that's why it was also really well kind of like loved because i don't i mean i had never heard of guardians of the galaxy i'm sure i'm sure someone had but that's what puts movies like guardians and frankly all most of these marvel movies um in into this kind of good graces of a lot of people because they're more obscure properties i Iron Man, you know, as much as people like him now, it's not like he was, you know, it's not like people were flinging Iron Man books off the rack before there was an Iron Man. No, Iron Man was nowhere near as big as Spider-Man or Superman or anything. No, And and that's, you know, that's the top of all of these. Like, Iron Man was probably bigger than Captain America and Thor before before there were movies about them. And but they're all, you know, technically second tier characters, to put it that way. And so Guardians is, you know, no one knows about this thing. All they have to mar- they have to market just just you know everything they can and they did and it was successful and I I think it's more of people trusting the brand of Marvel and you know looking at this cast that's huge and looking at these visuals which look bright and poppy and colorful and hearing the tone of the film and everything and that's what led to its success. It's this I, I'd be I would be curious about that small percentage. It's like I don't know guys <laughs> the comics are like this but this is like this. I'd be curious what that audience has to say, but I really haven't heard about that very much. I've heard about it with others, you know, with Hulk and Captain America. And it's weird. And it's weird, too, because, again, you're right. It is it is kind of a selective memory thing because 
I don't think a lot of comic book fans really liked those those mid two thousands Fantastic Four movies. They were very junky and like yeah, I don't think anybody really liked those. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. one that like doesn't necessarily support those those Fantastic Four movies, but I think they're fun enough. I feel like they're. I have issues with Jessica Alba as Mrs. Fantastic, but um, there's like the the general tone they're going for felt appropriate. And I'd rather see a movie that, you know, goes in a different direction because we've seen this movie already rather than trying to recreate the same thing again. Well, I think it also, and it's interesting too, because like, you know, comic book fans or sci-fi, whatever, fans for so long, you know, rightly so, like always felt that a lot of the things that they liked that could be darker um, were like trivialized and made kind of light. And so now, you know, we get the era of, you know, and we get the, uh, the Dark Knight and, 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 and also to a degree, um, the Lord of the Rings, you know, which really took something very seriously for fantasy. And I think fans really appreciated that. But now with Marvel, Marvel has made having a lighter tone actually work. You know, it's like, it is funny, but like, it's still a really big budget and it's good actors. So it is a weird, I guess maybe that's where the Fantastic Four thing lies, where it's just like, well, where does that play? Because traditionally the Fantastic Four is a lighter series, but you're right, this trailer does make it look a little darker uh, and everything. So, but I don't, I don't well, know. Even, I mean, look at the Avengers trailers. They're not full of jokes. They're full of like epicness and deep scores. That's and true. But they're not selling it. But, the, but yes. you know, it's, but you ideally should know it's going to be a fun movie. Exactly, because I'm like, I'm like, that's true. That's just showing that the stakes are raised and everything. But we already all have knowledge of how much fun it is to see, you know, um, the banter, the banter with all these actors. So like, we know that'll be there. So I think that's why it's it's okay. Um, but and yeah, you know, it is Marvel, and there's you know, you can. Tr- I mean, people trust in that at this point. It's that's- well, it's interesting, and I don't know if this would move to another news thing, but like, it's interesting because like. I've been a big fan of Chris Pratt and his kind of humor, uh, you know, since Parks and Recreation. I, I, he's terrific. And I thought he was really good as Star-Lord. And I was a little disappointed when I saw, just from what we saw, in the teaser for Jurassic World because unless Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt is doing a joke like – you know how – do you ever watch – do you watch Parks and Recreation? Yes, I do. You know how he's got that character – I don't – is it – Johnny Karate? Or yeah. Bert well, Macklin, well, FBI? Wait, 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 what's the FBI? Burt Macklin, FBI. Right, unless, unless secretly Chris Pratt is actually doing a Burt Macklin impression on Jurassic World where, where it's like he takes things seriously, but like it's kind of funny. I'm not sure if you're they're utilizing Chris Pratt well. well I, was, uh, I mean, here, here's the thing yeah. with that. I mean, that's just a teaser. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I mean, the teaser doesn't end with like, a you know, the, the full pumping Jurassic Park score. It has this kind of piano, very slight score with this hints of darkness. So I don't I don't know how clashing that with Chris Pratt's inherent sense of humor would really make her an effective trailer i have no doubt that there's going to be fun in a movie called jurassic world where a giant dinosaur jumps out of the water and eats a shark like that like there's there's no way for that movie to not like have fun with itself and i feel like that's true that's true and it's not like they cast they cast chris pratt because we needed someone serious but (laughs) but i would say that another thing like the fantastic four thing i mean we could almost we could almost argue that i mean i mean it could be most of the news we're talking about, but like pretty much, you know, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, possibly with Chris Pratt, Fantastic Four trailer. These all seem to be things where 
there that news has come out or there's a trailer or all we have is information or all we have is a cast list and there's all this like controversy of like well that sounds terrible or whatever <laughs> like well, yeah, I mean, well that's the thing like, it's, it's not controversy it's the world we live in where everyone has a voice and obviously we're doing that too because we're on a, a podcast well, about it yes. but everyone has something to say but we have an opportunity to talk about these things which is I what mean, I, like I, don't, to do. I know that because I have a friend of mine who's a huge Indiana Jones fan and he feels very much that Indiana Jones is not James Bond and you don't just make you don't recast uh, Harrison Ford or, or, or Indiana Jones and I've never been a huge like I love Raiders but I don't really care about the rest of them and so I was kind of like ah, oh. I was like you know what Chris Pratt's pretty funny like and in a way he's almost like a better version of Brendan Fraser which is what I mean kind of Brendan Fraser's role in the mummy that's kind of what he was doing he was yeah. kind of doing another like so I was kind of like oh huh. I was like that's not a bad idea like I could see him as Indiana Jones but my friend was like oh please he's no Harrison Ford and I was like well that's true. He's not Harrison Ford. Well, that's the funny thing too. I mean, Chris Pratt's already made a you know he's made he's made a big success out of playing Han Solo in Guardians of the Galaxy, and now he's gonna now he's right. potentially gonna play, be a big success playing Indiana Jones in the engine. He's already he basically they've made him into Harrison Ford. That's true. Right. 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 So uh, look forward to those years. You know, forty years later when Chris Pratt's old and grumpy. I guess is what to say too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because to me, Harrison Ford is more of a classic kind of leading man. It's like. You know, he's handsome, he's rugged, and he has bouts of humor where he can be kind of sarcastic, but it's kind of a grumpy – even when he's younger, because I'm not even talking about the old Harrison Ford. Even when he's Han Solo, it's kind of it – is, it is kind of a grumpiness. Chris Pratt's thing is more that he has this spontaneity, that he like thinks of these things that we haven't thought of and it's just kind of ridiculous. I can but agree. That, I, yeah. that is very much in tune with the kind of, the kind of comedians we like right now. So I think it makes sense. That's exactly what I was going to say. I feel like it, it applies to the generation that we're in. But at the same time, both him and Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser and a few others, they're actors that can kind of laugh at themselves. And that's why they can do certain things and, a, and an audience will get behind them. They can do not just stunts, but, you know, Pratt Falls, Chris Pratt, and um, <laughs> make jokes and make have one-liners and things and be able to make fun of themselves. And not many, not many people can do that as a leading man. When you want to take them, so I mean, when are you going to see Christian Bale like run over and like fall down and like say, "Oh, that was weird," and like get back up? Like that's not what he does. That's not the kind of person he is. But Chris Pratt, he's really been able to fit himself into that kind of position. Right. But he's, yeah, no, I. Um... We're moving on, by the way, from the Fantastic Four trailer. We're well, we're well into Chris Pratt territory now, which is another one of our topics. And yeah, him as Indiana Jones. Speaking to that. I agree with your friend where I don't think it's a character you can just recast. At the same time, we're in a world where you have to like you have to bring up the brand. You can't just create a new property because only so many of those are successful and you, you run it crunching the numbers. I see why this makes sense, but my issue with it is that it's very boring. It's like, of course you'd cast Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones. And because I have to say of course, that means it's a boring choice to me. I'd rather see something outside of the box that I haven't seen before. You mean like um, I don't know. Uh, if <laughs> not the best example, just just randomly pulling a name because we already mentioned it. Michael B. Jordan's Indiana Jones. That'd be like I'd be like, what? That's I'm intrigued. I'm seeing that movie. I have no idea what to expect from that. No, that's interesting. No, okay. Well, I mean, you're right. That would be. You say Chris Pratt, I would agree. Jones. I know exactly what that performance looks like. I would agree with you, and I would uh, no, no. I actually, yeah, I would agree, and I think that's. 
that'd be pretty good. But you know what? You know what's what's interesting to me is that I'll be very curious to see. And actually, I mean, unless there's some, you know, Fox News rant or something that I haven't heard, but I have been happy that we are getting to a point where it doesn't seem like, um, like maybe it's because they're older, maybe it's because they're a different act, different type of performer. But it doesn't feel like, like I don't think anybody's complaining about. Michael B. Jordan being um, Johnny Storm. No, they were. Like, oh, because like, he's black? Do you think yeah. they were? Oh, yeah. No, they were. When it was first announced, that was out there. I was seeing Because i, I got to say, I'm pretty confident that if Idris Elba ends up being the next James Bond, which everybody seems to be talking about, I'm pretty confident everyone's going to be pretty happy. Like, I but we know it's really weird, though. I wouldn't say that not Idris Rush Limbaugh, Elba, of course. But, wait, what? Not Rush Limbaugh, but everybody else. Well, no, I know, but I mean, like fans of the. But what's weird is that I don't think that it's where when you say uh, Michael B. Jordan is Indiana Jones, that seems that seems interesting and kind of weird. I'm kind of like, well, I don't know what that would be like because what the way he acts, like yeah. when you talk, if it was Idris Elba it was James Bond, that honestly, except for the fact that he's like he is a you know black British actor. Well, is he British? He's British, right? He's British, yes. But like honestly. That really doesn't. That seems kind of a no-brainer because it's like he's suave. He's very confident. I was like, yeah, he pretty much seems like he'd be James Bond. <laughs> like that's not really like. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. But I, but I'd be very excited because I really like him. See, my issue with that is like I like what I like about James Bond roles is that they're some exceptions. I mean, like Pierce Brosnan was Remington Steel, but like I don't, I don't have much to attach to most of the actors that played James Bond before beforehand like sean connery i know him as james but i didn't know him as anything else besides sean connery before sean connery it's not like i was you know alive then but i mean you know what i'm saying and even like roger moore he was the saint but at the same time it's like i can i can i can distinguish idris elba it's like he's already been so many things he's been stringer bell on the wire he's been luther he's heimdall and Thor. like it seems like he has so many all these properties and various characters that are very synonymous with his name at this point already where it's like does he need to be james bond too like i, I don't know if that works for me well but i mean all these things but uh, I, I kind well he's okay he is clearly a successful working actor of the last like 10 15 years but with, with many roles behind, with not with just many like roles, not, not just like one-off roles, like series and like no, and but like franchises. his role, but his role in Thor is kind of not that. That's the weakest one, but, but yeah, but, I mean, he also, like, but he has Luther and he has Stringer Bell. I mean, those are. Well, I do. Interestingly, I think Luther probably makes the strongest case that that would be kind of like the Remington Steel because that's a very popular British show. Mm-hmm. So, like in that realm, everyone's very aware. Of Luther, but the wire is weird because even though he's great on the wire, that's a big cast. That's an ensemble. Yeah, fair. Yeah. You know, whereas Luther, I'm like, yes, he, that is like Remington Steel. He is literally that guy. Like it, and it's his whole show. So I'm like, yeah, I could kind of, I see the comparison, but I don't know. I still think it's a really good idea. I really, I really. Wait, actually, and as long as a little tiny tangent, but if you're okay with James Bond being recast, because that's how we we've grown up for the last fifty years. That's yes. just the way it is. Would you be okay with James Bond? I'm assuming that you don't care if James Bond is, um, I don't know, you know, black, Indian, Asian. But I'm assuming you want him to be a guy and you want him to be somewhat European or British. Because technically, technically isn't Sean Connery? He's, he's Scottish, right? Connery is Scottish. Um, what's his Lazenby is, from, is uh, Australian. 
um, like if you told me Dal- Dalton's Smith- from Wales, I mean, uh, <laughs> Brosnan's right, I, Irish. I, I mean, none know. of them are all. Not, there's only two English Bonds, Craig and Moore. Right, but I like. I don't know if I would want. Like, has 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 there ever been an American? I don't think so. James Bond, no. Yeah, because like I don't know if I'd want Will Smith to be James Bond. I'd be like, eh, that feels weird. Like, unless he can pull it off, I don't like. And the other thing was, would you be okay with James Bond changing genders? Could could 007, the code 007, be like Jamie Bond or whatever? Would you be okay with that? <laughs> I, it wouldn't work for what they're trying to do. I don't think. I mean, there's that's that's why. You... <laughs> That's where it gets that tricky thing where it's like, well, just change the – don't make it Bond anymore. Make it what, what it is. Don't, this, this gets into the, the, the Ghostbusters thing too eventually also. But, I mean, it's, it's a matter of – it seems like if you're making that kind of thing happen, it seems like it's more of like, look what we're doing as opposed to doing something because it felt like the right thing to do or because it naturally went that way. Well – Yes, I guess to me... It feels like we're holding it. And, I mean, that gets back to Fantastic Four as well. What I like about having Mike B. Jordan be Johnny Storm and having Kate Mara be be um, Susan Storm is that it's they didn't try to make both of them black. They didn't try to make some statement where, like, Fox is like, look what we did. We have two black people as the Storms. Isn't that amazing? Look how great and progressive yeah. we are. They said instead, it's like, look, we got great actors. Period. Anyone else wants to talk about it, they can talk about it. But you know what we did? We got great actors. Doesn't matter what color they are. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that they're supposed to be brother and sister, but one of them's black, one of them's white. Guess what? Things like that happen. Like there's no there's no greater argument being made there. It's just here's what happened. This is what we did. Whereas no, I would you agree. look at female Ghostbusters, which we'll get to again. Where I don't have a problem with that. That's no issue for me. But it seems like every everything that I'm reading about it right now, which is not just coming from people online, but just from you know the directors and the former stars of Ghostbusters or whatever they're saying. Look how great this is that we're in a world where we can get female Ghostbusters. It's like why even bring it? Like the 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 notion of progress and change shouldn't be about announcing how great it is that you're able to do something like that. It should just be able to do something without having to make some kind of statement out of it. Well, okay, I have not. Well, wait. Do you want to talk about Ghostbusters or do we want to talk about whatever? I'm okay. sorry, I'm going all over the place. Well, <laughs> I feel like with the Ghostbusters thing, um, I have I have a lot of opinions on that. Uh, with the Ghostbusters thing, okay, I have not read what you just. I've read a lot of people. The internet complaining. Yeah. I have not heard. Is it Paul Feig? Is that yes, how you Paul say Feig, the guy's yes. name? Yeah. I have not heard him say what you just said. Maybe he did. I I have not heard that. Not in those heard, kind of words, but I mean, it's... I've heard that he said he's excited about working with with this dream team cast or whatever. I've heard that, and they are all women. Um, I feel like my, my Ghostbusters thing is 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 somewhat like my Indiana Jones thing. Is it's kind of twofold. One, um, unlike Indiana Jones. I don't think that I'm almost – I mean I'm pretty confident that the Ghostbusters are not the same characters. It's basically just this is the universe of Ghostbusters and, and they're just new Ghostbusters. I don't think like one is going to be Patricia Vinkman. I don't think so, right? I don't think that's what they're doing. Uh, they're rebooting it. Uh, it is a reboot. It is a hard reset of the Ghostbusters universe, right, which, so, is, what, which right. is what bugs me around it. <laughs> So actually, actually, I kind of agree that would have been nice if they had actually not done a reboot and just done an extension of like, yeah. well, this is twenty years later, and here's here's here are more Ghostbusters. Exactly, actually, it feels like that's yeah, a universe I mean, that's so full of possibilities because right. ghosts exist and there's a team of people that take them down. It doesn't seem like you need to start that over again. It just seems like you can handle it as a kind of business as usual type universe. It's like, oh, here we go. Here's the new recruits, that kind of thing. Which I mean, is what I remember I, that's what it was going to be for a while. I feel like on the positive end, I feel like Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and probably somewhat when they were in Saturday Night Live, 
them being in Saturday Night Live and then where we are now with Saturday Night Live has done a really good job of like highlighting a lot of female comedians and and some I mean honestly pretty much most of the best things I like on Saturday Night Live in the last few years are pretty much all the women characters it's not really so I don't think that it's that much of a surprise that like women in comedy movies and television have become like very popular like I feel like that's pretty much the way it's been for a while now which is good the only criticism I have with Ghostbusters as a as the cast they've assembled, even though I like all of them, is I'm not sh- – I feel like it would have been a little more, as you would say, out of the box to maybe give me a female comedian like maybe Aubrey Plaza. Like do they all have to basically be SNL people except for I guess Melissa McCarthy? Like I guess that feels a little too samey. Like I guess I would like – a little more stuff where it's like, oh, well, we picked this actress, and you're like, oh, well, that's kind of, she's funny, but I, that's kind of interesting. Whereas this, it's a little, it does feel a little too much like these are SNL people, I guess, even though I like them. But that's my only thing. Whereas I, I, that's a little, it feels a little like SNL meets it, Ghostbusters. It would bother me if this was like an, a Universal movie, but it is a Sony thing, so it's not like they. I feel like it's it's a, it was a matter of who auditioned for what, how things worked out. And that's the way it is, as opposed to, like, they purposely culled from just this group of people. I feel like it's more if they put a number of people together. And again, we have no idea. We're just speculating. But, I mean, it, it's well, about, that's... I think it's a matter of there was additions that took place. They put different groups of people together. and This is probably what they wound up as the best thing. It happens that there are a number of people that are, that are you know, coming from the same place in terms of who's popular in comedy right now. And so they can cull from certain areas. And that's how it ended up being. So I mean, it, and I mean, Liz McCarthy, she's been in Paul Feig's last three movies at this point. I mean, that's not surprising whatsoever. Kristen Wiig, I mean, that was I feel like everyone knew that like going in. It seems at this point. Uh, and then yeah, I mean, you have Kate. What was Kate McKinnon? Kate McKinnon and, uh, and Leslie Jones. I mean, yeah, like Leslie Jones is obviously she's like rising in status, given that she's like she was a writer. Now she's on Saturday Night Live all the time. Kate McKinnon's been on Saturday Night Live. Like yeah, they're all a lot of them are coming from the same you, similar backgrounds. And I like <clears throat> don't get me wrong, I like Kate McKinnon on SNL. I like her her Ellen and um her Justin Bieber and, and like other characters. But in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like Kate McKinnon is basically their Saturday Night Lives um they're ba- she's basically another version of Kristen Wiig. Like and I don't get me wrong, I like them both, but I am a little like isn't wasn't she basically doesn't the the skits that she does on SNL like in those kind of the roles that Kristen Wiig would have done. I guess that's what I mean by like variety where I'm kind of like, well, you basically that's fair. Yeah. And if yeah. I like, if I, if I was, in, if I had some kind of, some kind of say in this, I would, you know, I would, I would I'd try to call my mind and think of like who I could think would best play these, play whatever roles are being, you know, needed here or whatnot. But I mean, it's kind of like, it's just kind of in a wait and see at this point. Cause it's already happened. And like, I, well, right. I, right. I, yeah. It's hard to now. Now I gotta, I gotta ask you, um, what do you think of the two Ghostbusters films? Uh, we, uh, listeners should know we actually did a full Ghostbusters podcast because um, when the the um, original came out on that kind of 4K remaster, I love Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters. I think it's one of my favorite movies ever. It's one of my favorite comedies ever. Ghostbusters two, it's fine. Like it's it, it is what it, I don't I don't dislike the movie. I think it has a number of really good moments in it. I think it has some some strong elements in terms of the uh, like adding Peter McNichol to the cast and the the general ghost mayhem that happens with the slime and Vigo stuff I think the end goes a little overboard with the Statue of Liberty thing but I mean for the most part I think it's fine um 
I would have wished there if there was going to be another Ghostbusters that would have happened a lot sooner rather than you know now. But well, see, like okay, I I feel, and this could be, and if you ever do a podcast, I would love to do this. I feel like there are um, <clears throat> like because I'm okay, so I'm 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 45, so I saw Ghostbusters in theaters, like I saw it like as a teenager or yeah. whatever. I feel like there's this weird thing, and don't get me wrong, like. Maybe I've done this too, or I would have if DVD and VHS had been in, had fallen in sync with my growing up in a different way. But I feel like there's a bunch of movies from the 80s and 90s that everybody who's about 10 years younger than me that are like in their 30s, like really revere. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, eh, these movies are okay. I'm like, they're good. I'm like, but they're not like Ghostbusters and don't me wrong I would agree with you that of course I love the casting and there's a lot of really good moments in Ghostbusters but Ghostbusters to me is not Back to the Future Back to the Future is like perfect scripts perfect casting great editing like that's a that's like an A plus great 80s movie Ghostbusters eh well, I mean it's kind of shoddily shot it's it's I, like I mean Robert Zemeckis is a better director than Ivan Reitman I can give Oh yeah that. that's true yeah I mean there's that and, I mean but, for me it'd be splitting hairs in terms of those two movies specifically but, um, but I guess I feel like another one would be like Goonies. Like it's okay, and like people are like, "Oh my God, Goonies is great." So I'm like, like, yeah, I get behind what? you on that. And I'm a guy that hates Hook, and I'm like, and the Hook is terrible. I'm, in, the, the, I'm in that like age set where like everyone else I know loves Hook, but like, but I, I can't stand it. Oh, but yes, of all the movies we're talking about, Ghostbusters is definitely the best of these ones that I feel have somehow become bigger than they are. Yes, yeah, but Ghostbusters. I mean, it's not like, it's not like, like Ghostbusters was a cult hit. I mean, it it, it was a, it was a huge hit when it. Came oh, out. totally! No, you know what though? But as even though it was a huge hit, you know, you're right. It was a huge hit. Um, but remember, Bill Murray only did it because he wanted to do his. He wanted to do, which admittedly, I've never seen this movie. The but Edge movie yeah, something? that's what that was the reason he did yeah, it. But he still did it, and he still made an right, iconic character true, that but, people quote and love. <laughs> and and remember when Ghostbusters came out? Um, critically. It was kind of mixed. I mean, I don't remember. I think on Siskel and Ebert, I think one liked it, one didn't. I don't. Honestly, I don't. But I remember. Ebert loves Ghostbusters. Yeah. I remember it being a kind of a deal that, like, some critics were kind of like, "Well, the idea of taking that kind of like crazy, you know, you know, seventies, eighties Saturday Night Live mayhem." And mixing it with a big budget special effects movie doesn't really work. Like that was kind of the criticism at the time, and now it's kind of just understood. Everyone's just like, "Oh, it's just genius." And I'm like, "Well, I don't." I mean, I, I mean, part of that might be that we as critics now are more born from a lot of more, a lot more like um, you know, sci-fi and comedy and things that we like. Whereas the critics in '84 who were an older guard that we're looking at, they might just have been like, I don't really like this stuff. Like, that's certainly possible. And that might have been why the reviews were... I think you're overstating a little bit what you think the critical consensus back in the day for Ghostbusters was. I do think it was it was well regarded for what it, for what it did. I mean, there was no Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know. I remember thinking it was just like, it was... I'm not saying it was hated. It wasn't. I, I know that, but I... I, I I, I I'm pretty sure it was it was given the the the, re, the good regard that it got back then just as well more no. so more so than stripes I feel like stripes is the more mixed bag back then oh actually uh, strangely I'm actually more of a fan of stripes <laughs> I actually really like stripes I really I, love the first half of stripes well actually I was I was Which, actually, like, I really love the first half of Full Metal Jacket well I was actually about to say. That's actually my problem with, I think, Ivan Reitman things, although what you just mentioned is Kubrick, but that's actually my problem with Ghostbusters. I don't think, 
I think Ghostbusters and Stripes, which are both Reitman movies, because he did Stripes, right? Yes, but that's what I like about Ghostbusters. It's more consistent in my eyes. It has a, it yeah. has an actual plot. Stripes is more like let's goof around for half the movie, then let's let's engage into a plot next half. You are right about that, but I feel that the plot contrivances of the last act of Ghostbusters, the supernatural start- comedy about catching ghosts. Yes, <laughs> okay. it starts to it starts to it starts to wear out its welcome. Um, I see what you're saying about in stripes. It's less. It's, it's even less plotty. It's just kind of like now they've just run out of ideas. So I, I I would agree with you there. But they both they both for me as a viewer, I'm I'm kind of like eh, I'm like you're kind of like losing your steam or whatever. And that's why I wonder if it's a, an Ivan Reitman thing. Me personally, wait didn't he wait did Ivan Reitman do that Ashton Kutcher Natalie Portman movie? Yes. Which to be fair. That is not him in his prime, but I mean, <laughs> he hasn't been in his prime in a very long time. Yeah, I know. So, well, his, well, his, his last great movie was Dave in '93. Because after that, you get Junior, Father's Day, Six Days, Seven Nights, Evolution, which was de facto Ghostbusters Three, My Super Ex Girlfriend, No Strings Attached, and Draft Day. Oh, I didn't see Draft Day. How was that? Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, but, I mean, I, right? You get Meatball, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Twins, Ghostbusters Two, Kindergarten Cop, which is good, and yeah. and Dave, and Dave is really, yeah. really good. Um, but it, I, I think uh, if we're gonna close the book, someone on the Ghostbusters thing, I am I'm optimistic because I do like the cast and I like Paul Feig. I I, I think the Heat is massively underrated, like which is weird. I can't argue. You, I don't know how you say that when it like made so much money, and I, I was in the I was in the camp of didn't liking it. Wait, like, well, so yeah, okay, it. you're right. You're right. Actually, the heat was a big hit. I I guess it just feels like you know that that's the weird thing about social media is that you're right. The heat made a lot of money, and they wanted it did to well critically. It, I, I was it I, did. I, it was I was in a minority of not liking it. But but I guess I feel like anytime I mean especially right now with Ghostbusters, when people are talking about why they don't like the new Ghostbusters reboot. One, it's their criticism of an all-women cast. And then the other thing is they don't like the director. And they usually cite Heat. They don't cite Bridesmaids because pretty much everyone likes Bridesmaids. So, like, they're going to be like, oh, the Heat was terrible. And I'm like, terrible? I was like, what? I don't think it was terrible. Like, I mean, I th- I think the Heat is probably the best of the of this, like, resurgence buddy cop. Like, ride along, uh Let's be cops. I think it's the best of those. I mean, maybe you disagree, but I. And again, I, you might be saying, "Well, that's a shallow pool." But I mean, like, I. I don't know, to I look into it more, but I mean, I just don't think there's been many good ones at all. Recent, well, right. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think Heat is a solid three star movie that's eminently watchable, and that's all it's really trying to be. It's not really trying to be. It's not a great plot or anything. It's just basically. Two characters, it moves along well, you know. I, I like, agree that these things try to happen. I, I don't agree that they're, you know, good, but that's me. Well, did you think Did you think Bullock and McCarthy had good chemistry together? <laughs> yes, but I think that comes with the terror. That's like that biopic argument. It's like, yeah, sure, they gave a great performance, but, I mean, that doesn't mean I have to like the movie. I just didn't find well, it very yes, funny. It okay, beyond, because, I mean, obviously Ghostbusters is the next thing. If Paul Fig announced after Ghostbusters that his next movie was going to be teaming up Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy again, not for a sequel, but like basically just kind of like, you know, um, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy or, you know, just where you get these actors that kind of do movies together. Well, that's like, what I want more. I talked about that when he talked about like Horrible Bosses 2, um, where you get these funny people and it's like, why not just that? That's what like, that's what Ivan Reitman was doing back in the day. It's not like they, 
I mean, Ghostbusters 2 is like an anomaly, essentially, but it's not like he got Stripes 2 and, you know, Animal House 2 and all these things. Or right. Caddyshack 2. Well, there was a Caddyshack 2, but again, it's a different cat. It's, it was more, these are funny people. Let's keep putting them in different things. And I like that. And I like, and that's why I like a lot of these Apatow movies where they're like, let's just keep putting them in these, in these funny things as opposed to like milking this like well that's really dry. It's like, how much more horrible bosses are we supposed to, like, how much more can we do with that? Like, I don't understand. That's a good point. No, actually, you're right. You know, I didn't think of that. Seth Rogen... He does do that. I actually I have to give him credit for that. Yeah. Same, same with Will Ferrell. I mean, take out Anchorman too. Everyone is like, it's just like them and all these funny people that they're associated with. They all do these different movies, and people see those movies because they like those people, not because it's another version of that same story. Arguing, uh, ar- arguing the, I mean, quality aside, I mean, it's not, it's not. You didn't see Ricky Bobby too. You didn't see Step Brothers too. It took a hell of a long time to make Anchorman too, and that's just because like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> True, 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 true. But yeah, uh, so in terms of like, if you wanted to pair Bullock and McCarthy back together again, people seem to like that. So yeah, do that. Don't you don't need to make Hate Heat too. Totally agree. All right, but I, but I mean, I, I also just haven't been a fan of McCarthy in these movies lately. The, the, mainly the one well, these, basically everything after Bridesmaids. I really just have not. I've liked her in Saint Vincent, but that's just he's more dialed down in that role. I seeing that trailer for Spy where she's you know a, a spy with like Jason Statham and who is it? Jude Law. Is it Jude Law. Jude Law. And um, she just kind of like falls down and goes boom, and it's like, all right, that's that's another one of those. Wait, is that called? Is that Wild Card? Spy. Oh, it's actually called Spy. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen the trailer. Uh, yeah. Well, how was Saint Vincent? It, it's good. I mean, it's fine. Like, it's it's a you know, it's, it's the Bill it's a Bill Murray movie, but I mean, she's in it, and she, but she doesn't play like a wild character. She just plays a straight lay single mother. Wait, so are you saying? I'm, say, I'm saying that movie is negligible in terms of, but in terms of kind of the big Melissa McCarthy comedy movies that have been coming out in recent years, I have not been a fan of those. Right. So, but that's what I'm saying. Does that mean you would you actually like her more in Saint Vincent, where she's not doing her shtick? Yes. I okay. Guess. Yeah. Okay. No, I was just wondering. I don't know about more. It's just more of the ones that I've seen. I haven't liked. I mean, of her, of her doing that shtick. Did you? Okay. Wait. Did you like Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids? Did you like Bridesmaids? Yeah, but she's a supporting character in that. It's not like me seeing her constantly, nonstop, doing the same thing. I mean, I would say I would put. I think the Heat is the best of her movies that where she's a starring role. I certainly like it more than what was the last? Was Tammy There's the last Tammy, one? And then there is Identity Thief was before that. In, before right, the and heat. I, you know, I was okay with Identity Thief. It was kind of like a remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I never wanted to see it because that trailer did it just it killed me inside every time yeah, I saw just, it. Okay, I'll say this. I thought Identity Thief was way more tolerable, which isn't really a compliment, but tolerable than what was that bad one? Another another one where it was like Robert Downey Jr. and Zach Galifianakis are crossing. Due, yeah, due date. That was terrible. Like so in so I thought Identity Thief was better than that. But obviously I think Planes, Trains and Automobiles is way better than either of those. Um but uh, and then Tammy was actually more of a drama than a comedy, which actually I didn't mind. But that's the part that I, that's the portion that I liked. It felt yeah, like me it too. Was, me too. It, it was a hybrid of ideas, and it didn't overall work. But at the same time, it tried something, which is why I could appreciate her in that movie a little bit more. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, the scene the scene where she holds up the fast food thing is actually, which is what they plastered everywhere in the yeah. stills. That's actually not a huge part of the movie. It's like, like or, I mean, it is, but I think plot wise, it is. But like, that's really not indicative of the movie. No, um, yeah. But no, but I, I don't know. I really like her in Heat. I think her and Bullock were really. I don't know. I thought it really worked in Heat. Like, I don't know. The, the other thing too is that I would say that I think Melissa McCarthy is, even though 
yes, look, I mean, she's getting paid. You know, she does have a shtick, which is like, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the, the loud, obnoxious uh, female or whatever. But there's something about the way Melissa Carthy does it for me that I feel she has a she has a warmth and a vulnerability that somebody like Chris Farley, who in his day was the big, loud, obnoxious guy, I thought he didn't have that. Like, I mean, in, in all, and I think Chris Farley, most of his movies are pretty terrible. Like, like maybe it was because he was on drugs or whatever, but I mean, like, or maybe it was that, you know, that uh, Lorne Michaels, who produced a lot of those movies, was just kind of cheap, but... Like I think it's a combination of those things, and yeah, yeah like I mean, the record, like I, Tommy Boy's like it's a fun movie, but I wouldn't say it's like a great movie. It's one that I, no, but I like Tommy Boy. I, yeah, I, but it's more. I think it comes. I think like nostalgia and certain aspects of the chemistry between him and Spade come into play over yes, 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 th- over considering you know the actual quality of the story that's written. Well, yeah, so and the quality of the film that's made, and you know what. It, so I guess and, it just to me, I just I guess I feel like when we're talking about the criticisms of Melissa McCarthy and her doing what she does. Um, while I agree to some to, to some level, I think you're totally valid uh, on that. I just feel like it's still a way it's still a big step up compared to what I would say. Again, a, if we were to say a Chris Farley was that he was fulfilling that role, I think she's way better. Like you know, and again, it could be also the confidence that they have in those kind of movies. Now there could be like tons of different factors, but whatever the factors is, the actual output, like the result, I think is a better product. And better. I think there's a lot of people that agree with you on that. So, well, see, I don't know. I feel like I feel like people really love because people love Tommy Boy, which again, I do like Tommy Boy. I feel like people, you bring up Chris Farley, they're always like, "Oh, he's a comic genius." And I'm yeah, but, like, I, and I, but I also think that comes with you know, yeah, again, like this kind of nostalgic love for something, and as well as you know, the age that we're in, where not everyone could get their voice out there on something back then and want to do it because of the way that the generation has trained them to do. Whereas here, you're always going to get naysayers, and you'll get a lot of love as well, but it's. The opinions, it's so, it's such, it's much, a, it's a much more vocal area today. And so when something does stand out, it does stand out and you could recognize that more. It, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, either way, get a little, I, mean, I think we're getting a little off track with our, I like this. this I, is I don't, don't want to become the ultimate defender of Melissa McCarthy or something. <laughs> I just, you know, I like her, but I was, I'm not like, I don't want it to be like, wow, that, that guy's really nuts about Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> like, oh, not that like, but, um, so but uh, wait. So what else is in news? Oh, Star Wars, right? Got Star Wars stuff. Yeah. So um, what? What was the news on Star Wars? Um. Well, let's see, we got. There's a few things here. I believe uh, Tatiana Maslany. She's like of Orphan Black fame. She's yes. currently. I don't know if it's official yet, but it seems like she's like the head, <clears throat> the head, like the the person that that's like in most contention for being like the lead of the the first Star Wars spinoff that's supposed to be coming out, which we have no real details about. Uh, there's also there's also stuff about the the way these trilogies are going to line up where you have, or, you know, these new films are going to line up where you're going to have seven, eight, nine, that's going to be its own trilogy. And then more to go with that. Um, and then just like rumors about what the various spinoff movies will be in between these, uh, these episode movies, whether they'll be with the old characters like Boba Fett is like the big rumor right now, along with, uh, like young Han Solo, things like that. So it's just, just more of like speculation about what's going to be happening, given that this year is the first year where we'll be basically seeing a Star Wars movie every year. <laughs> so, well, could we wait? Could, okay. First of all, two things. One, one thing I want to, want to ask is, um, cause I don't know, um, where you, where you read this cause, and, and I'm, I'm not 
denying. I just I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Read this, but for quite a while now, we have okay when when they when Disney announced they were doing a new Star Wars movie, they announced it as uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. But then when the actual trailer came out, it doesn't say Episode Seven. It just says Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So when we started hearing about the spinoffs, I started thinking, well, maybe actually they're not going to do the number thing. Are they going to do the number? Because I mean, because if they are, why doesn't it say Star Wars Seven? You know, why does it say Star Wars Episode Seven? So I'm wondering if basically the Star Wars movie every year they're just going to do that, and then they're not necessarily going to make them into a trilogy. Do you think it's going to be a trilogy? <laughs> there's a, there's a yes and a no to this in terms of in terms of there being numbers assigned to them. For I think it's more of like a well, that's why the word spin off comes into play. There are episodes, but it's not as if like episode. It's not as if Empire came out and was called Episode Five. I mean, it's more of just that's. It's more of the the, the knowledge among the people that know Star Wars, and given that you know a large majority of the world that watches movies knows Star Wars, they understand that this is Episode Seven. They just don't necessarily need to refer to it as such. So you're saying that's really more of a prequel thing? Because you're right. I think yeah. I think it's a more of an associate. It's more of like a, a way to distance itself from the from the prequel. Because you're aspect. right. You're right. The original Star Wars movies, it was Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. It was only in the in the scroll. It would yeah. say Episode Five. Exactly. Oh, okay. And I think that's the exact logic they're using for these new ones. Okay, of, all right. In terms of the spin-offs, it might be like Star Wars colon, you know, whatever. The other thing was that Tatiana Mas how do you say her last name? Maslani. Maslani. Yeah. I think that's great. She's awesome. Um I'm I don't know about a young Boba Fett or a young Han Solo, only because I don't have a problem with recasting Harrison Ford, but that means are you that means you're doing movies in the past? Yeah. I feel that because remember with all these Marvel movies, which I'm assuming Disney is using as their outline, like their success with Marvel is what they're gonna they're hoping to do with Star Wars. They all take place in a universe that's happening right now. So if you suddenly do a Star Wars movie, Force Awakens, and the next year you do a weird flashback movie, that might be weird because now it's like, oh, that's not really all in the same. I don't know. I think that's kind of weird. I don't know if I would like that. I mean, it might be, but at the same time, I feel like there's enough confidence in what. Disney plans to do with you know this giant franchise that it won't be too much of an issue. I feel like there'll be enough done to establish what needs to happen, I guess, to make it work. You know what? I just realized I'm wrong because Captain America was a period piece. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, so that what? And Thor technically. Oh, that's all over the place. Yeah, that's just kind of all over the place. Um, you know what? Actually, I think. I think it'd be cooler if I like the idea of a seven, eight, nine that is one coherent story. Um, that's what, great. This is what it should be. Yes. Yeah. Totally cool. Um, I think I don't know. I almost wonder if it would be more interesting to do a Guardians of the Galaxy thing spinoff instead of doing a this is our Han Solo movie. Although I'm assuming they'll do that because brand wise it makes more sense to be like, well, here's a movie about Yoda or whatever. That's what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But it might be cool if you did a star Wars spinoff that wasn't really a character as much as it was like, you know, maybe just a different part of the star Wars universe, a different world, a different, like that might be kind of cool. Like that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just more curiosity. Like I, yeah, there's, I don't necessarily need to have more backstory stuff. I'd rather just kind of keep it all. I'd rather be random, if anything, like pick and choose whatever time period in the Star Wars universe you'd like, but just have it be about some character you never heard of before. Yeah, like kind of do like a Rosencrantz Guildenstern kind of thing. Just like 
various characters that might have interacted in some way with the timelines that we know, but just have them be on their own adventure. I no, I, I totally agree. I let me ask you though, as, as much as you like to talk about being surprised and all that kind of stuff, I am assuming. Yeah. I'm assuming we'll get the first. We'll get the the, the full story trailer for Star Wars. Is that going to be uh, in front of the Avengers? I would think. That'd be my assumption. Yeah. Because so, because that's basically like there's no reason not to do that. Let's put yeah, because that's May, okay. <laughs> and then the movie comes out in December. That feels about right. Yeah. Like uh, now, let me ask you. Um, because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So I love all the Star Wars movies, the prequels. I love all of them. I, I do mean, too. Um, but now for you, especially as being a movie critic, there is a weird thing where like, um, we, you know, we, you brought up the Baba Duke. Yeah. I didn't know much too much about the Baba Duke. Mm-hmm. I heard a little like, it's always oh, this kind of monster fairy tale, maybe type of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's my favorite way to see movies. But when you're talking about big, huge movies, it's kind of impossible. It's just like, you yeah. can't really not. So it, are it, you, are you yeah. looking forward to seeing the Star Wars trailer, but are you trying to not know too much when you go into the movie? We've, Abe and I have talked about this a lot because he avoids trailers. He doesn't like seeing trailers, even though we have a segment devoted to trailers. But he doesn't like specifically for a lot of things, but like these big tent poles where they have multiple trailers and you feel like you've seen everything. I'm a person that does not focus on that when I actually see the movie. I, I tend to be, regardless of what I've seen in advance, with some minor exceptions, I'm not one that focuses on, well, that happened there. So apparently this is what has to happen in the film at some point, And I should think about that the whole way through. That's not a thing that I go through. Um I love the art of a trailer. I love seeing how that plays. And while I don't necessarily need to see four Avengers trailers, because guess what? I'm going to see the Avengers. I like seeing what they do with them. I like seeing the use of music, how they cut certain scenes together. Um, with all that in mind, I will watch any Star Wars trailer that comes my way. But that comes from my confidence in the studio's confidence that they know what they're trying to sell and how to sell it. And some studios do that better than others. I feel, yes. like, I feel like Warner Brothers does an amazing job of marketing their movies. Look at Godzilla. That had an amazing marketing campaign, regardless of what you thought of the movie. I really liked it. But I think that marketing campaign for Godzilla was incredible. Um, I would argue the same for the, a lot of the Batman movies as well. American no, Sniper. American Sniper, Sniper had a really good marketing Of course, campaign. yeah. And I think yeah. this first Star Wars one had a great trailer. It tells you almost nothing, but you're just, right. you know, <laughs> I want to see this. I need to do this right now. Um so with that in mind, I, yes, I, will, I, I love watching these big tentpole trailers. I love seeing them for the first time. I love getting what I need to know. But I also have this kind of reliance on a marketing company knowing what to show me and how to not spoil me in that bit. In that you, know, you know what I just realized? I wonder if I have a friend of mine who uh, she does a television podcast mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't really like movie trailers that much. In fact, when the Star Wars trailer came out, she was very much just like, she's like, come on, it's over a year away. She's like, I don't, she's like, I don't care. She's like, it's a year away. Why do I, you know, this is a waste. And I was just thinking, I wonder if trailers, and like you just said, the, and I liked that you said the art of trailers, um, is very much a cinema thing because like before it was on, you know, our Apple TVs or whatever, it's basically Super Bowl commercials. And of course, when you go to see a movie in the theater, you see a big trailer. TV doesn't really do that. Like, yes, they did just come out with a Game of Thrones trailer. That's true. But like, in general, television is more just kind of like, you know, oh, there's a new season of the House of Cards. Okay, I'll start watching. Like, I don't really need to see a trailer. Like, it doesn't occur to me to do that. There's a few things where they'll be like, on the next episode of, you know, whatever. But you're right. Movie trailers, they have a sense of like scale and like they have a sense of like really trying to like 
you know, hopefully be, hopefully be creative. I mean, it's funny you and I have brought up Nolan. I would actually say one of the bane of existence of trailers in the last couple of years has been ever since Inception, it feels like every trailer has to try to copy that blah, like that noise or whatever. And it becomes yeah, that that's, a little, yeah. And that's the thing that goes with most, any kind of big trailer that sets up a standard of how to do something, a lot of trailers follow that. That's that's movies yes. in general. I mean, what, what works once has to work another 75,000 times. Right? <laughs> but I, yeah, I love that. I mean, it's funny. I thought that the Avengers trailer was terrific. I loved the, uh, the Pinocchio theme, and I love him, you know, there are no strings on me. Yeah. I was like, whoa. But then... They came off with a new Avengers trailer that didn't really add anything and felt really irrelevant. So I felt like, why does this trailer even exist? There's like nothing. I'm like, I guess there's more Hulk Hulk fighting the uh, Iron Man suit thing. But I'm like, there's not. It was weird. I was just is, like, this it, isn't. Yeah, it is weird. But it, and it's kind of, it's this thing where it's like, do we really need to know that Avengers is coming out? I feel like people kind of know. <laughs> but at the same time, what I like about this Avengers marketing more than the original the first Avengers movie marketing is that it doesn't feel like it's ruining any shot for me. Whereas the first Avengers trailer has that shot of Hulk catching Iron Man. That's the end of the movie. I mean, like true. I, although I don't feel like, I, I, I don't think I was I've... really excited. I was like, Oh my God, that looks awesome. Yeah. It looks awesome. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like you can cut an awesome trailer of Avengers without showing me that shot. Yeah. So, cause I'm watching Avengers and this is one of those times where it's like a trailer did inform me of something that was going to happen when Tony Stark's falling out of the sky. I guess what? I know Hulk's going to catch him because I saw that trailer 80,000 times. So it's like, all right, well, there goes that. That's true. There, and there, I, you know, there goes a payoff of a, you know, what seems to be a good climax for a movie. Well, I, I mean, I've heard so many interesting theories about the Star Wars teaser. And one of them that I thought I'm hoping is somewhat true is that the majority of that trailer or teaser is basically only like maybe like the first 20 minutes of the movie. Because if you look at a lot of the background, it looks like, Except maybe not the Oscar Isaac stuff, but a lot of it looks like it's basically on Tatooine. Yeah, so it's yeah. really just one setting. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting if they if they cut a trailer from really just the first. And actually, I think Hunger Games, the first Hunger Games trailer, they showed you everything that sets up the Hunger Games Same and they didn't fire. actually show you the game. Same with Catching Fire. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those ones all do a great job of doing it. I think it's. I mean, those. I think they've done a good job with that series in general in terms of how to market those movies. But in terms of like first act editing type stuff, I, that's what happens when you have J.J. Abrams or Christopher Nolan or David Fincher. Even they all they're all involved in that process as well. Like they're not handing it off to another thing. Whereas Spider Man, the Amazing Spider Man movies, that's like they get this kind of rough assemble of a movie and they ship it all over to the whoever edits those trailers and they edit they edit a bunch of things and that's why you get certain lines and arcs that you think are going to happen that don't end up happening because the movie's not done yet because they're trying so hard to like figure out what the movie is right. Right, and right. they don't spend enough time thinking how to market that movie so they market everything and people end up hating it more for the marketing rather than the actual movie. Exactly. It puts things in an awkward position, whereas I like The Amazing Spider-Man too. It has problems, it has flaws, but I feel like the majority of the criticism came from the fact that it exists and that the way it was like being made into such a big deal based out of marketing rather than actually analyzing the movie itself, which yes. is where things can run into problems. I mean, I feel like star Wars is trying to do its best to lay low, but it's star Wars. So it's hard for it to, you know, I mean, try and actually just as, I mean, just because this is kind of a, of a special edition podcast, cause there isn't like big movies come out. I would also say that I was really impressed that fast and furious trailer or the one that I saw, the one that debuted a few months ago, yeah. 
Um, they, 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 they did a little moment where I think they say something about family and they cut to Paul Walker. But in general, they pretty much did what they always do, which is we're going to show you a really cool stunt, which is usually the first half of the movie. Like, yeah. and that's basically what it was. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, so they kind of did that too, which was really tricky because for them, I was like, you've got an actor that died who's like one of the main characters. You could really play that up. And they didn't really. I didn't think they did. No, I feel I, I figured to define job of selling another Fast and Furious movie, regardless of what's going on behind the scenes. And I feel like it's it's do, it's doing so to call back to Fantastic Four. It's doing so without making some kind of statement. It's it's not trying to say, look what we did. We got this movie. This guy died, but guess what? We still have the movie and support us for that reason. It's no. It's just saying here's an action movie in the same way that they're like, look, we have Michael B. Jordan. It's a good actor. Like nothing else works right. with that. So uh, just curious. Um... Um, I don't know, you know, if you, uh, I think you, you know, as a, both friends of Scott, Scott Mendelson, who uh, writes for Forbes, the big box office guy, um, do you think that Star Wars is going to be the biggest box office of all time, the weekend? And then having said that, do you think that Fast and Furious and Avengers will be still within like spitting distance? I think, um, in terms of the year, sure. I think there's other. I mean, oh, have, sure. have, oh, sorry. I meant the year. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. you have you have the last Hunger Games movie as well, which I think also you know will do gangbusters. But this, it's weird because this Hunger Games didn't do as well. Yeah, but it's the it's the first part. <laughs> but it's yeah. weird because the other two Hunger Games were like over 400 million, and this one's like 335, which is <laughs> which is nothing to sneeze at at all. Um, no, that's true. I mean, it's still a lot of but money. I, but I do I do think knowing that something's the final chapter easily leads into something bigger. I mean, technically, for, for this kind of yeah, we can go into the Hobbit thing, but I feel like they're it's not those movies aren't you know loved either. I, I feel like it's been a pretty general. Do you think like you so you think Hunger Games, Hunger Games four, you think will be like Deathly Hollows part two? I feel it will play that way. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Um, without doing any being asked offhand, yes, I think so. Do you um, do, do, do you I think do you think Fast and Furious? I don't know. There's a weird part of me that thinks that. When Fast and Furious opens in April, also because it's also because it's April, there's like nothing else out or whatever. I have a weird feeling that it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it would beat Avengers because that's like 200 million, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's like 150. Because I think the curiosity no, is really high on well, that. I, well, I think it's it's a it's a to put the, not to put this in any kind of other way, but it's an added bonus that there is a curiosity now. It was already going to do really well because these yes. Fast and Furious movies, right. these last three in particular have done really well. And so this one was no more than likely going to do really well as well. But now and you've got Jason, Jason Statham is but, the bad guy. And but like, it, so, it's, yeah. it's like going back to dark Knight. I mean, dark Knight was going to do well, but the added fact curiosity of Keith Ledger, who, you know, died before it came out that made it into this kind of global phenomenon. And yes. I don't think that's, I don't think furious seven is going to necessarily be a global phenomenon, but I think it's going to do it. It's going to make a ton of money. For, for yes, easily. I would agree. Yeah. I got to say though, yeah, I'm really wondering if Avengers will be able to maintain what cuz remember I mean the first Avengers making 200 million is just so far beyond like what anything even Disney did not expect numbers like that. Um I do wonder if Age of Ultron could do that, but I'm pretty confident that Star Wars can. Assu- assuming that the next Star Wars trailer is awesome and in the world we live in now, unlike the world of the prequels, 
there will be advance word. Remember when the prequels came out because George it was George Lucas, there were barely any screenings and like there weren't a lot of reviews and Rotten Tomatoes and stuff was pretty early, you know, especially in 1999. Yeah. We don't live in that world anymore. And so I'm okay, so assuming Jay Abrams JJ Abrams knocks it out of the park and then it's like 88, you know, 80 it's at least 85% or whatever at Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty confident that Star Wars will be the biggest We'll we'll top the Avengers. Well, I mean, it is one of the biggest you know things out there <laughs> in general. Yes, yes. So yeah, yes. I I don't have much doubt. And, I mean, movies are literally moving away from Star Wars to give it room to do what it needs to do. Right? <laughs> yes, like, like, which is so I can't believe Mission Impossible. Not only that they did that, but that basically their movies will be finished five months early. That's so weird to me. That gives me so much confidence in a it series does. that I, a series yeah. that I already love. I really like those too. movies for the movie. I'm like, wow, they're really confident. So it's like they like, that's that's a, that's a huge sign of positive. That's like that's a win win in a lot of ways. Whereas it can presumably make the money it wants to make, as well as be the success they want it to be because they're confident enough to say, let's not push it to next year. Let's push it to earlier this year. So unless yeah. unless there's some kind of like huge rush and it's just this like sloppy thing and which I entirely doubt because say what you will about Tom Cruise, the man wants to make a good movie for audiences and <laughs> that's what he's gonna be doing. I'm a huge I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, so yeah. you you know, yes, I'm very and actually ironic, earlier when you were talking about Warner Brothers, that I would say is the only misstep that one I don't think I think I think Edge of Tomorrow making a hundred million was actually because of word of mouth. But yeah. I think that if they had marketed it better, I think it could have done even bit better. Yeah, know? and I think it's just, at the end of the day with that, I think it's just a difficult movie to market. I feel like they, maybe they put too much effort into the other ones to do a stronger job with that. But at the same time, I, th- I do think there's it's hard to market both the fun and the stakes at the same time, which is what they seem to be trying to do. If you look at those trailers, you see yeah. the different ways they're trying to balance the fun that's had in that movie with you know the the war that's taking place. I mean, it's so it's, they're in a difficult position to make that work. Whereas Godzilla, I think the use of ominous monster threats really paid off for that movie in terms of getting it a strong opening weekend. Yes, I know. I would totally agree. I thought that they, yeah, I I agree. Um, But uh, yeah. Well, so, what else? What else do we have in news? I I want to wrap up. Actually, we've been talking a lot, and I've been really enjoying this. Oh, so okay. Like we, cool. we, I think we've given the listeners just enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Wait, but so we, obviously, the biggest thing that we're excited about is Ouija two. Yeah, you know. exactly. I think that's the takeaway from all of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, before you, that's that's so much better. We've been, we've been talking straight. This will be very easy to edit because there's almost no gaps between the two of you. Um, before we wrap up, we got some things here. We have Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. And we have quite a few things here. We have John Wick, which I think Great. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dracula Untold, which is Not better, awesome. better unseen. Yes! <laughs> Untold and unseen would be better, yes. I, um, there's, there's Ouija, which comes out. Now, I don't tend to brag about the reviews that I write or like the titles I give them, but I was proud of this one. I, I, my title for Ouija, my Ouija review was Ouija, Bored to Death. Which I thought oh, that is I, good. That, yeah. I think that pretty much summed it up. <laughs> um, then we have Dear White People, which is really good. How is that? It's really good. It was. It's in my it. top 15. I really love that movie quite a bit. I, I want to see it. We have The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby, which um, I, I saw this week. I saw the him-her version. Have you seen The, Dispers- the Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby? No, but is, is that like – it's like four hours, right? It's the Yeah, it's the Jessica, Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy film that was originally in its like film festival cut. It was divided as him, her. So there are two different movies that played played back-to-back, 
and it's looking at this relationship from like the, from the her perspective and the him perspective and then Weinstein got their hands on it and they're like all right let's put it together so they made a commercial called them which as opposed to having a two 90 minute movies they had one two hour movie so, so which you, is better to do well I, I only watched him her in full I've, I've sampled them just to see what it was like to see that kind of edit and I'd say the him her is I mean that's the more complete film I mean you're seeing the I mean if you look at them you miss like you miss about like 70 minutes of movie and it like really diminishes the roles of certain actors like I know like Viola Davis is featured heavily in her but she's you'd see like her like in the background once in him so it's like little things like that where you take away the nuances and things that you know having these actors add in a whole movie versus having this little edit of it so I'd rec- yes I'd recommend the him her version okay cool uh, is Nightcrawler also this week? That's next week. Okay, because we got the Blu-ray, so that's why. In which I love that movie. So, but that's so that's next week for sure. Yeah, but okay. yeah, that's what's coming out this week on DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming. Um, see next week. Next week's show. Um, well, we have we have the SpongeBob movie: Colon Sponge Out of Water. We have Seventh Son, and we have Jupiter Ascending. Uh, we're going to talk about Jupiter Ascending. Um, so that's that's what's going to be the plan for that week. I know there's you know. Unless there's like a serious uproar for Seventh Son Love, or there's enough people that want to support me in my choice to want to talk about the SpongeBob movie, it looks like Jupiter's Ascending is probably what we're going to talk about next week. Well, I mean, yeah, I I missed the SpongeBob. Um, did you hear that Jupiter's Ascending? They screened it at Sundance. Yeah, they that was the secret screening at Sundance for some reason. They thought Jupiter Ascending seems like the movie that a bunch of old film critics and various hipsters <laughs> want to go see right now. Let's let's take a break from you know some indie dramas that are you know completely different and have a big sci-fi spectacle. That makes sense. Heard and, like, uh, that will probably walk- get the warmest reception. No, yeah, because I heard some people walked out, and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like. A, but I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've I've said many times that I've loved everything the Wachowskis have done. I'm a huge fan of the Wachowskis. I've loved all the Matrix sequels. I, I love the, the Speed what Racer. Do you think what is their best film? Their best film. Um, Still Bound. No, I, th- I think the first two Matrix movies. I, I, I like. I, I like. I like Reloaded a little bit more than the first Matrix. But you know, but I don't know. I think Bound is. I mean, it's, it's a really good Bound's movie. Kind, yeah, no Bound's doubt. kind of like their Memento, where it's just like it's a really good tight it's genre. It's a solid neo noir. Yes, I agree. But I mean, it it's not one where I think it's their best because of that. Where I do think I do like Memento the most of Nolan's movies, splitting hairs with Dark Knight and some other things. Maybe. But, what do you think their weakest is? Uh, Revolutions. Matrix or the third Matrix movie. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think Speed Racer is way underrated. I love Speed Racer. I guess um, Speed Racer is this wonderful just candy machine. I'm really mixed on, and I didn't read the book, Cloud Atlas, but I, I was really was mixed. Yeah, but it's not I was a... mixed on the movie. There's some stuff that's great and other stuff that I was like, eh, like, so, but, but I'm very excited. This, I mean, Jupiter's Ascending looks like their wheelhouse, and actually... Uh, before this podcast ends, I feel like Jupiter's Ascending is a weird one where the first trailer they made when it was supposed to open in August, I was kind of not very excited about. But the new trailer they made, which is now before it opens, which is which is kind of showing the story more, yeah. I'm way more like, oh, this looks really good. I'm totally into this. Like, I, so. I agree. And also, it's new. Like, I don't. This isn't a book. It's not a comic. It's not a video game. It's just something new, and I like that. And I'd like that to be supported. <laughs> That's what I like to see. No, I totally agree too. I absolutely. So yeah, I, even if it's not, you know, the pivotal the the the, the pivotal work of storytelling of the year. It's going to be a visual feast, and for the Wachowskis, regardless of you know your thoughts on their writing abilities, they know how to direct action, and I'm looking forward to that a lot. Actually, you know, it's really weird you say that. Actually, one of the things I think they're really good at that they don't get enough credit for 
no, you're right. Their action scenes are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I mean, because one of the one of the times someone said this about the Matrix movies, and which is really weird. I think it's true, but for some reason, I think it works. Is that what is that old adage? It's um, what is it? Show don't tell. Yeah. The Matrix movies, especially the first one. A good chunk of the first 40 minutes, all it is is Morpheus telling. Yeah. Really, that's all he's doing is talking. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't work. Like, that should be like, ugh, this is lame. But they actually, I think, are very good in giving us a whole bunch of information and making it interesting. I very much agree, and that's why so, I like Reloaded so much. <laughs> yeah, no, and I would agree. I, I love Reloaded, but... I, I feel like when we talk about their action scenes, of course, yeah, their action scenes are great, and they work with great fight, you know, with well, Wu Ping and everything. Great, but I feel that they get they don't get enough credit for for like they have all this, they have a lot of information dumps that they have to do on the audience, and mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's actually pretty engaging. A lot of other movies would be awful. And a lot like, of times it's so, like done yeah. in sync with what's happening. Like it's not a matter of like sometimes it's as a lot as opposed to a lot of movies. Where they're like here's the plan. Let's set up the plan. Here's twenty minutes of the plan. Now let's do the plan. They have movies where they're saying the plan as they're doing the action, so you're already past the like setup part. True, it's, that's true. It's going hand in hand in a lot of ways. I would agree. So yeah. yes, I hope Jupiter's ascending. I want it to be good. More, <laughs> more, more excited about that than um, than finally seeing Mister Gray. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so with all that said, Peter, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, yes, I do write for uh, Very Aware, Topless Robot. I mostly do uh, video games, although I am planning on doing a Why Shawshank Redemption Sucks article for Topless Robot. <laughs> I cannot wait to do that. Um, and who else do I write for? Oh, and Crave. Uh, Crave, I also do mostly uh, video game reviews. All right. Yeah, Crave, Crave Online. Okay. You can find me at thecodeisique.com. That's where I find my I write my written movie reviews as well as at ysblue.com for my written movie reviews as well as blue reviews there. You can follow me on Twitter at PS 4 and I also write about TV over at theyoungfolks.com. Um, you can find all the other episodes about Now, Theron, and Aim on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. Cool. Uh, um, you can email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on any of the topics that we discussed today. Um, there's also our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, our Twitter, twitter.com slash outnowpodcast. Pretty much everything's outnowpodcast. And uh, yeah, that's there's you know you guys who listen to this enough, you know where you can find us, and you know how accessible we are on the the Twitter sphere and the Facebooks and what have you. Uh, <laughs> Peter, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. No, no, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun for sure. And uh, hopefully, Abe get well soon is should be yes. our hashtag this week. And I'm sure he'll be just fine. He'll be right as rain. Probably minutes after I end this podcast, <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah. So with all that said, until next time, so long and goodbye. Later. Yeah, the